Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Ready, Set, Mindful podcast. I am your host, Carrie Bishkay, and I'm really excited for this solo episode. I'm going to be talking about neuroplasticity, behavior change, and how to tell if you're actually healing or changing as an athlete or as a person. So really excited to dive in to this topic with you guys. Neuroplasticity is one of my geeky topics that I love to talk about. Um, and we're also going to talk about seven signs that you're healing, that you're growing, that you're changing. So I'll give you some measurable indicators to kind of tell if you're on the right path. If you're an athlete who's trying to change your mental performance, that it can impact your physical performance. Um, what are these things that you should be looking for? How can you kind of measure your success? If that makes sense. So we're going to get into the episode, um, kind of talk about what neuroplasticity is and how it's related to behavior change. Sometimes it's an elusive word that can just seem really inaccessible or confusing for people. Um, so pretty much neuroplasticity is the process by which our brains change as we learn. So it's in reference to the physical structures of the brain, right? So if we think about ourselves as athletes and humans, we have, you know, we have behaviors that we are looking to change, um, you know, that, that don't serve us. And we're wanting our brains to kind of be rewired and learn new habits and patterns and, and behaviors that can serve us. Um, you know, we're, we're looking to increase, uh, our neuroplasticity, our ability to change our brain. So we think about the stuff that we carry with us that we've had forever, right? We have such a long history of our neurons firing and wiring, um, and these behaviors that have been so, so deeply ingrained that they become habits. Um, and sometimes they, our habits serve us and sometimes they don't, we want to change them. And so we're going to talk about why it is. It's so damn hard to change our habits and rewire our brain, right? So with repetition, then that neural connection in your brain becomes stronger. So when we start to kind of pick up new, new habits or try to, um, you know, formulate a new habit, we're looking for, you know, to decrease, um, or to weaken, uh, the neural the old neural connection, the old behavior while also strengthening like this new habit, new behavior at the same time. So when we, put those things together. Um, and we have a pattern, we have a foundation of, you know, decreasing the, the old pattern and weakening it and also strengthening this new behavior, this new pattern that we want to pick up that's, and we can build on that. Um, that's how our new patterns and new behaviors actually get formed and we form new habits, right? So if that kind of makes sense. So that's a little bit about neuro, you know, neuroplasticity, um, you know, the intentional behavior change requires us to weaken that neural connection, uh, that we've had forever. That's connected to that behavior that we don't like. We have to break that old habit and strengthen that new one at the same time. So neuroplasticity, um, you know, things that can help with neuroplasticity meditation is obviously a great one. I talk about all the time, things like, um, you know, yoga, that's super helpful. Um, you know, getting 
exercise, like being outside, like those things strengthen your, your neural networks. So doing challenging, like word games, that kind of stuff. So, um, you know, using both left and right brain at the same time, those are things that can kind of build neuroplasticity. And then, um, there's also things that we can do, you know, food and mental health and food and neuroplasticity are also really important too. So when we have a lot of inflammation in the body and the brain, um, right. Like that we're not setting up, um, for neuroplasticity to really be, um, working for us. So decreasing inflammation in the body, uh, and that has everything to do with our, you know, what foods we're actually putting into our system. Um, so things like, you know, turmeric, like lots of veggies, uh, fruits, avocado, blueberries, broccoli, like that kind of stuff. Like those are some neuroplastic uh, neuroplasticity strengthening, uh, foods that can really help us. So we want to put ourselves in a really good position because guess what behavior change and forming new habits is really freaking hard. So we want to kind of put ourselves in a good spot so that we're, um, you know, we're able to have everything working for us, if that makes sense. So athletes are humans first. I talk about that a lot, you know, and as humans, we all kind of have this accumulated trauma that we carry with us, whether it's conscious or subconscious. Um, and so I talk about that a lot with people and I don't get too many questions on physical or sexual trauma. Those ones are really pretty clear cut, but the emotional trauma, people sometimes have a hard time understanding like what that is and how it impacts their performance and their day-to-day behaviors and patterns. Right. And so Emotional trauma is one that a lot of athletes tend to carry around. Um, and once I start to kind of unpack that with the athletes that I work with, they're like, oh shit, yep, I have I have a little bit of this. And the goal is to not to get people to remember that, like, hey, you have trauma, right? It's just to to get the athlete, to get the client to understand how maybe some comments and, uh, you know, behaviors from coaches, parents, teammates, et cetera, have subconsciously impacted them and how they're carrying that around with them and how they're showing up now on the court or field, um, has to do with that subconscious, uh, trauma sometimes. Right. And so it's really important for us to, in looking at behavior change and looking at changing our patterns and forming new habits, that awareness piece is the first and foremost, most important. If we, we can't fix what we can't see. So we have to draw attention to the things that we're not loving about our performance and how we're showing up in the world. And I mean, that's the only chance that we have to fix those things. Right. So we carry around a lot of that trauma in sport and naturally that you know, that filters into our life as well and our behaviors and what we tolerate and don't tolerate and our reactions and responses to things. So if you're an athlete and you're, you know, you're wanting to kind of change your ability to handle stress or your responses when you're getting tough feedback from your coaches or handling high pressure situations and, you know, trying to understand why you crumble and, and, uh, you know, or react the way that you do, then yeah this episode is definitely for you. We all have behaviors and patterns and habits that we're looking to change. Not all of us, um, have that wiring that we love. We're, we're constantly evolving and growing as athletes and people. So it makes sense that we're going to be also working on ourselves continually. Right. So it can be super frustrating to feel like an athlete 
that is unaware of, uh, you know, your trauma or some of your behaviors or your patterns. And you can be, you know, sometimes feel like you're spinning your wheels. Maybe you are aware that there's a problem and you're not quite sure how to fix it. Or maybe you just accepted that that's, so. Oh, that's just me. Like, that's how I show up. And I just get really angry or like, I can't handle losing or I, um, you know, just am a stress ball and I just have to learn to accept it. Maybe, maybe that's your mindset. Um, but we, we can, once we have that awareness piece of what we want to change and, um, what we want to look different, that's, you know, that's the first step in, in changing and forming new habits and behaviors that do serve us and do work for us. Right. Um, and so how do we change? Like what, what does that kind of look like? Um, I'm going to talk about the stages of behavior change and what those kind of look like. So you can figure out where you are in this process. If you're an athlete who's, you know, struggling with, um, you know, how you show up on the court or how you, how you prepare for races or just your ability to handle stress in your overall life, let's kind of figure out where, where you're at here. So first thing we're kind of going to look at is your willingness to change. How ready are you? How, how much is like this behavior or habit that you're holding on to? Like how much is it sucking in your life? You know? Um, and are you ready? And is this something that your coach has pointed out that you need to change, but you're not really fully invested? Um, or maybe your partner's pointed out like, Hey, you need to work on this. You need to change this, but you're not really invested in it. Like that's a big deal too. You have to change for you. We know how that works out when we change for other people. It does not. Right. So we have to, I mean, not, not sustainably anyway. So, uh, it can work short term, but longevity wise, sustainable, long lasting behavior change, you have to be changing for you. Right. So the willingness to change is important. Um, you know, the self-motivation is definitely a big key there. Um, we're looking to change some of these unhealthy patterns and behaviors that we're hold around or, you know, that we carry with us. Um, and what are the benefits of change? Like, do you see the other side, like how your performance could be better or different, um, or more sustainable with you changing in some way? Like, can you see the benefits of change? Um, how aware, how aware are you of those benefits? Um, and then, yeah, looking at identifying barriers to change, like, are you, um, how, how are your current circumstances like preventing you from changing? Right. So, um, maybe you have like a coach or a partner or, um, maybe this is like a food related behavior and you just like, you have a bunch of things in your house that are not conducive to you. Um, you know, really working for that long lasting behavior change. So you kind of have to look at, okay, what's preventing me from changing here? Like, what can I look at in my life that's happening around me environmentally? That's a barrier for me making this change. Right. And then, um, you know, so those are, those are some, some things with behavior change. I just want you to kind of look at like, where, where are you at? Um, and then we're going to talk about the six stages of behavior change. We talk about this a lot with the clients that I work with. So this is, um, kind of from, from a psychotherapist background, like the six stages of behavior change are pre-contemplation, contemplation, preparation, action, maintenance, and relapse, right? Like those are the six stages of 
behavior change. So if you're someone, um, again, who's looking to create a new habit, a new pattern, I want you to think about where you might fall in, in this, um, you know, in these, each of these stages. Okay. So the pre-contemplation stage is when you don't really see your habit or behavior as an issue, right? Um, a lot of the athletes and clients that I work with are so hyper aware, um, and self-critical. They're not hardly ever in the pre-contemplation stage because, um, they, they know what their issue is and they are wanting to change it, but they just can't figure out how to make that lasting behavior change. But so the pre-contemplation stage is, it's definitely still a stage, but a lot of athletes that I work with don't really fall into that stage. Um, the next one is contemplation stage when you're aware, but you're not ready to change. Sometimes when we have these habits or behaviors, we, even though they don't serve us and they suck and they slow us down and prevent us from aligning with like our, our higher athletic self, right. We still hold on to these behaviors because in some way they serve us, they provide comfort, familiarity, right? So we're resistant or hesitant or scared to kind of let go of some of these habits sometimes for reasons that I can explore if we work together, you know, that's a little bit deeper. Um, but so you have this awareness, but you're not ready to, to change. That's the contemplation stage. Um, the next one is the preparation stage where you're ready. Okay. You, you see, uh, how this issue is slowing you down. You want to let go of this habit. You're motivated to take these steps you know, that's the stage that a lot of people that I work with are in. Okay. It's preparation stage. Like, let's go. I reached out to you. I'm motivated. Like, let's do it. Um, the next stage is the action stage, right? So this one takes willpower. Um, this is you actually implementing the steps that you, you need to kind of take action, um, in, in forming new, your new habit, new pattern, rewiring your brain, right? So it takes willpower. Um, probably if you're at this point, you've made a pros cons list and figured out how your behavior, you know, sucks and how it's not serving you and how much it's slowing you down. And you've looked at the benefits of changing and you're like, all right, cool. That's, that's where I want to be. Um, also at this stage, you've probably let someone know about, you know, your, your goal or what you're, what you're trying to do. Maybe you let your friend or your parent or your partner know like, Hey, I'm seeing a therapist or I'm working with somebody or, um, I'm doing this on my own. Uh, and you know, and you're trying to kind of collect that support. So we know that when we're trying to change behavior, working on a goal, it's so freaking hard to do on your own. I mean, it's possible, but it's just, why wouldn't you want to put yourself in the best possible position by recruiting some account, an accountability partner, letting someone know, um, how they can help you and what you're doing. Um, it just adds a layer of support. That's so, so helpful because behavior change is hard and change rewiring your brain and trying to develop new habits. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's challenging, right? Um, so the next stage is the maintenance stage you've been making progress. You're maybe working with the therapist, sports psychologist. Um, you're, you're doing your daily meditation. You're doing the things that, you know, help you and set you up for success. You're seeing those benefits of changing. So that kind of incentivizes you a little bit more to kind of maintain and keep, keep this, keep this dream going. Right. Um, and you've created some strategies at this point to kind of prevent that relapse. Although 
yeah, spoiler alert, that's inevitable. It happens. The setbacks happen. Right. So, um, but you've created strategies to kind of get ahead of, um, some of your barriers and, uh, you know, to try to prevent that relapse and prevent that old behavior from creeping back in. Okay. So that's the maintenance stage. The last stage is the relapse stage. So it sounds intense and disheartening and frustrating, you know, to think that that's a part of the stages of behavior, but it is right. Like we're human. We make mistakes. Life happens, shit happens. And guess what? Some of, you know, some of our old habits creep back in, or maybe we're feeling super vulnerable because we, what we ate or didn't eat that day, or whether we've been outside or whether we've worked out or had a good workout or how nice our coach was to us, or like how tough, like a certain loss was for us. So, so many different environmental, you know, things can impact our vulnerability to relapse. Right. And so this is normal. And the most important piece of this stage of change is identifying the triggers that, that cause these failures that cause us to have these slips and have our behaviors kind of creep back in, have our old habits creep back in. Like, what are these things that happen um, to us? Or what are these things that we're doing that allow this to happen? And so again, it kind of goes full circle to the awareness piece. You have to be so aware when you're looking at creating lasting behavior change and forming new habits, um, and letting go of, um, you know, some of your trauma and working through, through some things, you have to be so aware of, all right, what are these things that can get in my way and how can I create new strategies so that this doesn't happen again? Um, or maybe I'm not there and I don't, um, have this setback for quite so long. Right. So just kind of, uh, knowing that that's a part of the process, you're going to have these setbacks, you're going to, um, in, in forming these new patterns and rewiring your brain, like there's going to be, it's going to take some time. It's going to, you're going to need to be a little bit patient with yourself and not get disheartened when, you know, some of those old behaviors start to creep back in knowing that that's like a part of the process. And that's a very normal part of the process can really help you with, you know, either feeling super, super disheartened and like, you want to give up and just like totally like fuck it, whatever. Um, when you know that that's a part of the process, it gives you a little bit of grace. You're like, Oh yeah. Like Carrie said that would happen. Or I know that that would happen. So it doesn't seem like you're quite as far away from your goal as if you didn't anticipate that that was a part of the process, if that kind of makes sense. So those are the stages of behavior. Um, so hopefully the, that kind of helps you understand a little bit about like where you are, where you fall, what to look for, um, you know, maybe what you're doing or not doing right now to, to align with, you know, fully committing to changing your, you know, whatever you're looking to change your mental performance, you're looking to let go of some of your, um, emotional trauma or baggage that you're carrying with you on and off the court. Maybe you're super responsive to, uh, or you you have negative responses to, feedback that you want to change, right? Like that happens a lot, a lot with the athletes that I work with. Um, it's really hard for people to, to gracefully, uh, really hard for athletes too, to, to really gracefully receive feedback, um, you know, and truly like take it in, absorb it, um, and then do something with it. Right. A lot of us put up our shields because we're trying to protect ourselves because we have some level of emotional trauma that we're kind of carrying with us and we want to keep ourselves safe. And so we walk around all day just with our shields up sometimes like trying to protect our little bubble and keep ourselves safe. 
Um, but guess what? We're not growing when that happens. Um, so we have to kind of look at that, like, okay, I have this need to protect myself or like I'm holding on to this behavior or this coping mechanism for some reason or another. Like, I don't love that about myself. Like let's, let's change that. Right. Like that, let's work on that a little bit. Um, so I wanted to talk about now like seven signs, actually more like eight. I think it's like eight signs. Um, cause I just thought of another one. <laughs> so a few signs that you're healing, you're growing, you're changing, like what can you kind of point to, um, to, to know that that's happening for you. Right. So one thing is you're less reactive. So people who hold on to a lot of emotional trauma or have a lot of stress, they're high anxiety, right? Like they're very reactive people. Um, you've probably been around one of them. I would imagine, or maybe you are one of them and that's okay. Um, I used to be a very reactive person and that's something that I've really worked on. Obviously as a therapist, you work on, you work on your own shit. Um, and you want to be able to walk the walk and talk the talk when you're helping people. So of course, this is something that I'm very familiar with. Uh, and as an athlete, I used to really have a hard time receiving, you know, tough feedback, like, Hey, you're not doing that right. You're not fast enough. You're not strong enough. And I would internalize that as like, Oh my gosh, I'm not a good person. My coach hates me. I'm the worst. Right. You just kind of catastrophize that. That's what you do when you have other shit to work on that has nothing to do with like, Hey, you actually just need to get from a to B a little bit faster. And I'm just trying to tell you that in this present moment, and it has nothing to do with you as a person. Right. So I had to separate that. And a lot of athletes have a really hard time with that, um, with, with taking in feedback and not internalizing that. So, um, same thing like with partners or teammates and different relationships, right? Like if you're less reactive to hard conversations and hard feedback and, and different things like that is such an awesome sign that you're doing a lot of internal work and things are working for you, right? Like those neurons are rewiring and firing in a way that's allowing you to develop new healthy habits, right? So you're less reactive. That's a really good sign. Um, you're able to feel your feelings and know that they will pass, right? So if you're working to, you know, you're working through something as, as an athlete and you're trying to kind of let go of some of your, um, maybe emotional stuff, emotional baggage, emotional trauma, things like that. Um, and you're someone who's used to compartmentalizing athletes are again, really, really good at that. Um, kind of dealing with the task at hand and shelving, shelving things and putting them away in a box for another time, right. When you can deal with them. But the problem is sometimes we never deal with them or we forget to come back to those things and they build up and that's not good. We don't want that. Um, cause that can definitely dramatically impact your performance in such a negative way. And, um, how you show up in the world. So if you're able to feel your feelings, right. Um, you're like, Oh, okay. I'm getting a little anxious right now. That's happening. Um, all right. It's cool. Like, what can I, what can I do? I'm going to focus on my breath work right now. Right. So the fact that I'm getting anxiety or something's coming up for me, isn't causing me to jump to, Oh shit. Oh shit. Oh shit. Or I need to ignore this or shelve it, but I'm actually allowing myself to accept that that's happening and I'm okay with it. And I'm, and I'm working through it in the moment. 
So that's a really, really big sign that you're healing as well, right? You're not afraid to be in the present moment. So a lot of times when we have things that we're working through old be, you know, behaviors that we want to change, we're constantly thinking about things in the future or things in the past, dwelling on our mistakes or thinking about things we should or shouldn't do in the future, all that kind of stuff. We have a really, really hard time with being in the present moment and having things be quiet. A lot of people shy away from that because they're not super happy with how they show up in the world. And so we try to fill our plate and avoid and distract and all these things. So if you're one of those people that's constantly like reaching for that thing, your phone is your crutch or like Netflix is your crutch, or you're constantly making plans and like trying to just stay busy you find yourself not, not needing to do that as much, right. You're actually okay with sitting with some of your thoughts and working through some of your shit. That's such a good sign that you're healing, you're growing, you're changing, right. Because that need for that external crutch is, you know, it's, it's kind of diminishing. So that's, that's also a really good sign. Another good sign is that you're using your coping tools. So you're using your breath work, you're using your meditation, you're taking your breaks throughout the day. You're using your coping tools. Like that's a really, that's a really, really good sign as well. Cause as a therapist, psychotherapist, and, you know, work with so many athletes and my big thing is giving athletes stuff to do outside of session because it streamlines our progress and our work together and your growth when you're doing stuff outside of session. Right. And it's not just one in one ear and out the other for 55 minutes. And then all right, Jesus, take the wheel. You go and do your own thing. No, I want that like layer of accountability. Um, so that we have something to circle back to. And so that you can actually practice using some of these tools, um, when we're not together. So that's a really, really big, um, big thing. And that's a really good sign if you're using your coping tools, um, as well. Uh, another sign that you're healing, you're growing, you're changing, Um, you know, you don't feel as fragile emotionally. So I talked about that a little bit before where we have this need or desire to, you know, put up this, this shield and this protective bubble. Sometimes when we're trying to protect ourselves from the world or hard conversations or feedback and different things like that. Um, and we, you know, so if you don't feel the need to protect yourself, um, as often, right. Or you're noticing that that's, that's becoming less and less, and you're not feeling like quite as fragile, the need to do that as much. That's such a good sign as well. Right. Um, another sign that you're healing, you're setting boundaries when you need to, this is such a big one for everyone athlete or not. Um, we're just not great at setting boundaries and and telling people no sometimes. Right. Um, so some of us are, and that's great. And that's such a strength, such a strength. Cause then you're freeing up yourself. You're freeing up time um, for you to, you know, have to yourself to do self-care, um, to spend with your family, to spend with your partner. Um, you know, so that's when we set boundaries, right. That that's, that's a massive sign that we're, we're growing, we're changing. Um, if that's something that we haven't done in the past. So ways that you're kind of protecting yourself, um, in a really, really healthy way, setting a boundary for maybe someone who's, in your life, who's not super healthy for you to talk to, or you notice that you're, you know, you're just really not in a good space after you hang out with this person or, um, you eat this food or you, um, you know, just, there's a million examples of ways that you can set boundaries. But I think when you start to do that for yourself, that's, that's also a really good sign. Um, 
And the last sign that I'll talk about, uh, to know if you're healing, growing, changing is if someone in your life notices, right? Like someone says to you, Hey, like I appreciate your response, or I can kind of tell that you're working on something. Maybe it's someone that you've already told that you're working toward this goal or working toward this behavior change or whatever. Um, and they, uh, are just kind of checking in with you. Like, Hey, this is actually like, this is going well. Like you're doing, you're doing good things. Um, or maybe it's someone that you, that has no idea what you're working toward and they're able to notice that, um, you know, and, and so that that's a really good sign as well. So these are all signs that you're healing, growing, changing, um, ways for you to kind of look internally to, um, you know, to, to keep, keep that motivation going. Cause once you start to see the benefits of, behavior change and creating these new patterns, patterns, and, and you're starting to see how it's helpful for you. That's definitely motivation to keep going, right? People give up on their goals and they get super frustrated when they're not seeing results. They're not seeing things, um, helping them out. And definitely if you're trying to change your mental performance and your responses, and you're working on, um, things like as complex as, as trauma, um, that's going to, it's going to take some time for sure, but make sure that you're taking note of these little micro wins that are happening because that will keep you incentivized to keep, to keep going. Right. Um, so make sure that you're, you're checking in with yourself to see how you're doing, especially with things like meditation and breath work. And like a lot of the, these tools that I talk about, you're, it's not going to be like a drastic overnight difference. You're gonna be like, Oh my gosh, I sleep better. All of a sudden I'm not craving all these things. And I'm just a new person. No, it, it's not going to be like that overnight. Absolutely not. So it's a slow roll and just being aware that behavior change is a slow roll. And there are things that you can do to, you know, definitely set up, set yourself up so that you have more success, right? Like understanding that relapse piece is a part of the process and that you're going to have some setbacks and return to doing some of those old coping tools and those old habits. That's natural. It's okay. It's part of the process. So in wrapping up here, just a couple of tips that you can do to work on neuroplasticity, work on your behavior change, start small. That's the first step, right? People lose steam. They lose momentum. They lose motivation and incentive when we start too big and we want to go from zero to hero. So make sure that you're starting super small with whatever goal that you're trying to change. Um, you know, and, and that doesn't mean your goal has to be super small, right? Maybe your goal can be, I want to be a less reactive person when receiving hard information, right? Okay. So what is going to be, how, how are you going to get there? How, right. What are the steps that you're going to take to get there? Okay. So I'm going to create some steps for me, um, in order to put myself in a good position. So I'm going to do my breath work in the morning. I know that that creates space between my thoughts and my responses. I know that that's more helpful for me than not when I, when I do it. So that's going to be, um, something that I'm going to implement every single day. Right. Or maybe when you're starting small, that can look like, okay, that's something that I'm going to implement three times a week. Okay. So starting small and then working up from there. So start small so you can give yourself a little, a little bit of momentum and confidence, and then we can work our way up from there. Okay. Um, the second tip would be to get support. 
let someone know what you're doing, what you're working on so that you have that accountability and that extra layer of support. So, so helpful, right? The third tip that I would say would be to set reminders, to give yourself some visuals, maybe put up some post-it notes or like a whiteboard with your, with your goal on it. And maybe like the benefits of your, um, you know, how this new habit's going to help you with your performance and, and all that kind of stuff so that you, you have that as a visual, as a little reminder, as a cue, not only is it a conscious, something that you're putting up in your peripheral, you know, consciously, but you're going to walk by that. That's going to be a, a subconscious reminder every time you're in that space and you're looking at that thing as well. So that, that can be, um, a really helpful tip in getting you through, um, yeah. in getting you to where you want to be with behavior change. So hopefully these things, uh, hopefully you guys enjoyed this episode. I know it was a lot of information to kind of take in, but behavior change is so complex. And I get asked these questions a lot just about neuroplasticity and how these things work and where people are in the process. So I just wanted to give you some structure and some insight into how, how behavior change works and how challenging it is and what's a part of the process and what isn't a part of the process and just some tangible tips that you can use so that you can get yourself from these unhealthy habits that suck, that are limiting some of these newer habits and healthy behaviors that can serve you. So it's all about rewiring your brain, having that insight into how it's done is super, super helpful. So hopefully you guys took something from this episode. If you feel like you have a friend or a teammate or a partner or someone who could benefit from this episode and learning a little bit more about neuroplasticity, behavior change, letting go of trauma and how that can serve you on and off the court. Make sure you share this episode with them and I will catch you guys on the next episode. Thanks so much. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of the Ready, Set, Mindful podcast. Make sure to join us next week as we have another episode for you. If you haven't checked out readysetmindful.com, make sure to check out our free mental toolkit to optimize your performance. And if you're not following us on social, make sure you do that. We're on Facebook and Instagram at Ready, Set, Mindful. Make sure to leave us a review if you liked what you heard. Always look forward to seeing what your guys' thoughts are. We will catch you on the next episode.